0: readings in the precious name of Jesus. And I invite you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of John and Chapter 3. John and Chapter 3. I will look, I I will read the first 21 verses of the Gospel of John in Chapter 3. After I read some of the verses, I will stop and give you the title of the message that I've chosen out of one of the verses and then continue to read. John chapter three, beginning to read verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born? Which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. I pause here, as I said, and give you the title of the message this morning, and it is simply this. Ye must be born. Continue to read, verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak what we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoso believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Ye must be born again. Who is this message for this morning? It's for everyone that can understand what the scripture says, and everyone here that is under the sound of my voice this morning. It's for all of us. Ye must be born again. Jesus reiterated the necessity of the new birth. It's in three of the verses that we just read. Let's look at them. In verse 3, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, ye cannot see the kingdom of God. It's necessary. It has to be. It has to happen. Ye cannot enter the kingdom of God if you're not born again. He said it again in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, Ye cannot enter the kingdom of God. You have to be born something other than being physically born. There is another birth that must take place. Ye must be born again. He said it in verse 3. He repeated it in verse 5. Now he says it again in verse 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. It's necessary. The new birth is absolutely necessary. What, what are the instruments of this new birth? How, what's he talking about? He described it somewhat as this place in verse 5. Nicodemus had some questions about this. He answered them in verse 5. Jesus did. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, a man be born of water spirit he cannot enter the kingdom of God that's what I mean Nicodemus sometimes when we read the the word water here maybe we're not sure without some digging into and further study what the water part refers to the Jews knew very well Old Testament washings. The various ceremonial washings with water. They were also aware, at least Nicodemus, as he was talking to him here, was aware of the baptisms with water that John the Baptist was involved in. And that water in itself, they could associate with washings of the Old Testament, with the ceremonial washings. Of course, water, we all know that water means very well. You don't have to be very old or very intelligent to understand that. And so the ceremonial washings with water of the Old Testament time helped prepare them and helped them understand And with holiness and cleaning, being clean before God. The baptisms with water of John the Baptist that was going on at this time. The Bible says it was a baptism unto repentance for the remission of sins another type of washing. Repenting for my sins, acknowledging my sins, confessing my sins, wanting to be clean of my sins, being baptized with water indicating I confess my, dirty, my dirtiness, my sins. I repent of that, I confess, I'm, I'm baptized with water, indicating a certain type of cleansing. Uh, Just like we know today those washings of the Old Testament, those ceremonial washings that were commanded, did that clean anybody's heart? Did that clean anybody's soul? Did that clean anybody's mind, the various ceremonial washings that they went through? Well of course not. But it was for a purpose. It was leading up to something Greater and bigger. And just like the baptisms we baptize young people with today and the baptizings that John the Baptist was doing in that day certainly did not clean anyone's heart. But it was a type, an indication, and a reminder of what God can do and does do and will do. And so Jesus said in verse 5, what are the instruments? How does this new birth take place? What is used to create this new, this being born again, this new birth? What Jesus said in verse 5 except a man be born of water. So I've tried to take time to, to explain what, what he possibly meant there of water, of washing, of cleansing, of the baptism. Uh, of repentance for the remission of sins and of the Spirit and of the Holy Spirit. It's a spiritual birth. The water part will do nothing to cleanse the heart, but it can certainly. Remind us of that. It can certainly be an indication of what should be taking part inside. It can certainly be a, a me saying a yay and yay and yes to, to what I, I want God to do in me. It, it, it's me committing myself to that and submitting to that. And the spirit. <clears throat> Allowing the Holy Spirit to give me a new life. Allowing the Holy Spirit to give me a life that I did not have. It's being born again. It, it's something new. Anytime we use the word born, we're talking about something new. Anytime we use the word born today, a plant is born, an animal is born, something is born, we're, we, we're talking about something new. Something that was not before. just like we use in the English language we have various word we have words that have various meanings and they say you know the English is one of the hardest languages to uh, to learn because we have so many uh, rules that are broken in the way we talk we use words again that uh, that have various shades of meaning and various meanings the term born again it can mean, it, can, it is referred to the, to, the Greek that it comes from, sometimes it's, it's talking about being born anew. Sometimes it refers to being born from above. So born again, born anew, born from above, a different birth, something different than physical birth. And of course, Nicodemus was wondering about that. He said, born. Jesus, you said Born. And you're telling me that I need to be born, but I'm a mature man. Can an old man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus said, no Nicodemus, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a different birth. I'm talking about being born of the spirit, being born anew that way, a new life, being born from above, Being born of the Spirit of God. What is the character, the nature of the character of this new birth? Well, we've already talked about it, but it's spiritual rather than physical. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, Jesus said, Nicodemus, I understand that you understand that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We understand that. But, Nicodemus, you, you, you need to realize also that that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. No, you won't, you won't see this. You won't see this in a physical way. It'll be a spiritual That which is born of the Spirit is spiritual. The necessity of the new birth, the instruments of the new birth, it's water and spirit. The character of the new birth, it's spiritual. And fourthly, consider how do you receive, how do you get this? How do you get the conception of this new birth? You have to look at verses 14 to 18 to, to, to get that. I mean, Jesus said it in several different ways there. Verses 14, to, actually, versus, as you look at verses 14 to 18, verse 14 is just kind of introducing the next few verses. <coughs> Let's look at those for a moment. Maybe if you usher could bring me some water to drink, it may be helpful. So, So right in this conversation here, he brought in something that Nicodemus was well aware of, a man knowing history. (coughs) He said, Nicodemus, you know your Old Testament history? When the children of Israel were rebelling and were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, at one point, as we read in our scriptures, and Nicodemus would have surely knew, God sent poisonous serpents to bite them and as the serpents bit the people, uh, after time they would die. And Moses cried unto God and said, God, what what can we do? What is this all about? And God instructed Moses to take a, a pole and put a form of brass serpent and put it on this pole, a brass snake. And put it on this pole. And when the people were bitten, if they would look to that brass serpent upon that pole, they would not die. <coughs> that was certainly a type of Jesus Christ on the cross. And so Jesus brings it in right here in his discussion with, with Nicodemus, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. He couldn't have said it any, any shorter than that. But it's a statement we all must realize that he knew it would, it would speak to Nicodemus. Nicodemus knew his history. He said, I will be lifted up in a certain way also i will be lifted up on a pole as it were and mankind to be born again to have salvation will have to look to that to that sacrifice to me to my sacrifice for them to have salvation and be born again so with that introduction then let's look at the next few verses verses 15 to 18. thank you very much How is this received? How is this new birth received? Jesus explained it then in verses 15 to 18. That, after he said what he said about the serpent in the Old Testament, verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You must underline and emphasize eternal life. Nicodemus knew that when them people in the Old Testament looked at that serpent on the pole that they received (coughs) physical life. They received physical life instead of physical death from the poison of the serpent. Jesus said but whosoever believeth in him the son of man should not perish but not just have physical life, but have eternal life. (coughs) You have to underline eternal and then you have to underline life, as opposed to death. So it's everlasting. Nicodemus knew all those Old Testament people eventually died physically. Yes, they were healed right then, But they eventually died. So they did not receive any eternal life. They received some temporary life. Jesus said when you look to the son of man on the cross. You will receive eternal everlasting life. As opposed to death you see. One day eventually. Continuing Jesus wasn't done yet. Is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Those people in the Old Testament, they had the invitation from Moses. People, you that are getting bitten with snakes, look up to this serpent on the pole and you will be saved. They could do two things. They could believe or not believe. They could mock Moses and say, Moses, you're crazy, and die. Or they could believe Moses and look to the serpent on the pole and live. It was their choice. I didn't count how many times Jesus used the word believe here in these verses I just read. But he's saying the choice will be yours, Nicodemus and, and your people. <clears throat> he that believeth. He that believeth. He that believeth. <clears throat> the reception, how do we receive this? By believing, by accepting, by faith what God provided it's not my decision I can't make up some kind of provision I can't make up a plan God made the plan God made the provision we accept that or we leave it one or the other that was the case in the wilderness when they had the serpent the brass serpent to look to and Jesus said That is the case and will be the case for people in this New Testament time in which you are living, Nicodemus, and we are living today. Let's consider now what it has to say in verse 8. Jesus said, uh, Jesus was thinking, I'm sure, now, from from what Nicodemus had already said, of course, what what Jesus knew of Nicodemus, that is, uh, it's a little bit hard to follow. Nicodemus uh, asked a question or two, and um, he wasn't following all the way, and Jesus was explaining to him how this was. So he talked about the spirit. And the fact that, yes, you understand that you know, uh, what is born of the flesh is flesh, but you need to also understand also that what is born of the spirit is spirit. And uh, so you need to be born this way. You need to be born again. And then he explained somewhat of what he was talking about in verse 8. This is what he said. The wind bloweth where it listeth, And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So let's consider some parallels between the wind and the Spirit. You can feel the wind, children, you can all understand this. You can feel the wind, but you can't see it. Now, yes, you can see the results of it. You can see the effects of it, but you don't actually see the wind. You see the leaves shaking on the trees. You see the trees falling over. You see the trash blowing across the field. That's not the wind. That's what the wind is doing. Felt, you can feel it, you don't see it. If you've been born again, if you're letting the Holy Spirit do a mighty work in your heart, you know it. No, you can't see it, but you can feel it and you can know it. Secondly, sometimes the wind comes in gentle breezes. Sometimes it comes in very forceful gales, and you all know that. There's something like a gentle breeze, there's something like wind that's really blowing. The Spirit moves in our hearts in similar ways at times, gently tapping us on the shoulder. Sometimes doing something big and bold to get our attention. Gentle breezes and forceful storms, forceful gales. Thirdly, uh, how's the wind and the, the spirits work in our heart similar? Well, it, the, the fact that it's universal. There's movement of air. All over the earth. All around the earth. The air moves. Some places more than others. Sometimes more than others. But there's the movement of air. There's the wind. All around the earth. And the spirit of God. Is certainly not limited to any place. But his spirit can be present. Anywhere. On the face of the earth. Where his people are fourthly how's the wind and the spirit similar it cannot be resisted by physical force it cannot be resisted by physical force there's no way that any of us or anything can go out here and stop the wind no way we can stop There's nothing, all we have is physical physical things to work with, you know. We can't hold up a piece of plywood here and stop the wind. It's going to keep on blowing. And we cannot stop the work of the Holy Spirit in what he wants to do. Number five, the wind is necessary for life if there would not be air movement if the air if the atmosphere if the air around this earth would never move we would not be here this morning for physical life the air moves it has to move we talk about high-pressure systems and low pressure systems and and warmth and cold, and it all has to do with the air, the movement of the air. And if the air would not move, I'm not sure what this place would be, it would, first of all, would, yeah, we won't go into all the things of science, but uh, it's necessary for life, the movement of the air, the wind, we'll say. Did we say this morning that unless you're born again, you don't have life? Jesus said that, of course. <laughs> to have spiritual life, you must be born again. To have spiritual life, you must be born of the Spirit of God. You must be born anew. You must be born a second time. You must be born from above. It's necessary for life, for spiritual life for eternal life. Number six. How's the wind and spirit of life? It's invigorating. It's invigorating. All of us smile on a warm day when a little breeze comes. All of us shiver in the winter time when a cold breeze comes. It'll wake you up. It's invigorating. So with the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts and lives. Number seven yet. We obey the wind. We don't try to fight it, but we obey what it's trying to do. It can be very useful. Uh, we can use the wind to our advantage in various ways. I'll just mention two. It can turn a windmill and it can push boats on the ocean, sailboats. Uh, uh, We use it to our advantage, it can be very useful. We resist the wind, it can be very destructive. We hold up a piece of plywood when the wind's blowing hard and say, here, I'll stop it, and it'll knock us right over. It'll blow over into our car or truck or something. It'll break the windows of your house. You use it to what it's for, to to its good. It can be helpful. You resist it. It can be very destructive. The same with the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts and lives. God made it and placed it here in believers for a purpose. You resist it, you'll be going the wrong way in your walk with God. It'll be destructive in your spiritual walk. So Jesus, as we have numbered here, verse 8, gave that to Nicodemus for a purpose because he knew that Nicodemus would understand, did understand the wind, and he used that in comparison with the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> let's look then at that verse that all of you can say by memory, and that is verse 16, John 3:16. <clears throat> and let's look at seven. Seven great things in John 3.16. Of course, the first one is God. And the second one is love. And the third one is the world. They're all great big things. And the fourth one is His only begotten Son. And the fifth one is the invitation. Believe. Believe the invitation, a great invitation. And the sixth one is judgment or punishment. There is perishing. There is judgment. There is punishment without this. So there's a great judgment to to overcome. And that's the purpose of this. And the last one, the last great thing, of course, is everlasting life. Or uh, the reward. Now... There's seven great things in verse sixteen. <clears throat> the wor- the the gift is right in the middle. That's so interesting. The gift uh, believe on him is right in the middle. So there were three before God loved and world. That's the first three big things. Right in the middle of these seven is His only begotten Son. Okay, and then there's three. Um, big things after that that is the invitation, the judgment and, and the reward so that great big gift that, that gift right in the middle Jesus himself uh, let's consider seven things about this, about this wonderful gift well first of all the author or, or the giver of this gift is God okay so these things i mentioned now will 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 line up right with the seven things with these great seven things in verse uh, 16. so the giver the author is god number two the motive why why would he give because of his love his great love the scope how big is where does this reach to it reaches to the whole world the great big world (laughs) the price he would have to pay for this gift this is the middle one this is the fourth one of course it's his son the price he would pay for this big gift to give to us he would pay to allow and to ask his son in heaven to humble himself and become an old human being and walk on this earth with us and and be rejected and, and be crucified And shed his blood for us for our sins. That's the price. His only son. How do we receive it? Invitation was number five. How do we receive it? What is the? How do we? Yeah, the reception of this, the receiving of it. Believe on him. The recept. The. And we respond to the invitation by believing. Number six. The necessity of this gift. Why did God need to give this big gift? So we would not perish. Either we receive the gift or we perish. So we should not perish. In John 3.16. And then... What's the purpose of this whole thing? What's the purpose of this big gift? So that we can have everlasting life. And that's how John 3.16 ends. But have everlasting life. The purpose is to give us everlasting life. <clears throat> you must be born again. You know, one of the things that um, kind of jumped out at me is in looking at this passage is this? It's more than believing a fact of history. The first thing Jesus said to Nicodemus is, You must be born again, you must be born of, of water and of the Spirit. He didn't first say to him, Nicodemus, uh, one day I'm going to die on a cross. And uh, you're going to have to, that's going to be a, once I do that, that'll be a historical fact, of course. And then you're going to have to believe that historical fact and you'll be saved. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's a historical fact. That's the truth of God. That's the truth of God's plan. It's a historical fact that Jesus died on the cross. But Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. You must be born anew. You must be born from above. You must, you must experience. A new birth. Now, this is for other sermons, but Jesus talked about the uh, uh, writers, other writers of the uh, of the New Testament talked about this thing of dying to self, being renewed by the Holy Spirit, uh, <clears throat> taking on the things of God. Um, but, but, but uh, putting to death the old man uh, and of course being renewed by the Holy Spirit is parallel with what Jesus was saying right here to Nicodemus about a new birth being born again being born anew being born from above who is the words for? Who is the message for? Who was Jesus speaking to? I said at the beginning, it's to all of us, all of us that understand. We must be born again. I trust that most of you have experienced this. It's a lot more than saying, I want to join the church. It's a lot more than saying, I think I should wear a covering. It's a lot more than saying, I I want to uh, be a member of such and such a congregation. Jesus said to Nicodemus, You must be born again. You must be born from above. You must be born anew. It's something that happens inside by the Holy Spirit. I would like to close with a a song that's uh, all of us. uh, Interesting how it's laid out. I invite. Turn to number two hundred and thirty two. Number two hundred thirty two. Two hundred thirty two. I heard the voice of Jesus. So here the writer says, um, in all the three verses. The first two lines of, uh, of each verse. I heard the voice of Jesus. In other words, this is, this is fact. Jesus is calling. Jesus was calling me, he said. <laughs> and in all three verses, it says something that Jesus said. or He, 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 he writes it as if Jesus said this. <clears throat> so, in the first verse, the invitation was, come unto me and rest. In the second verse, It's in the second line. Stoop down and drink and live. In the third verse, it's in the second line. Look unto me. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are the invitations of Jesus to us. That's what the writer was saying. Well, then, how did the writer respond to these three invitations? His response was always then in the last two lines. I came to Jesus. I came to Jesus. I came to Jesus and found rest. I came to Jesus and drank of that life giving. I looked to Jesus and found. (laughs) Is that you this morning? I, uh, I have no reason to believe that uh, that's not uh, most of you. I believe it is most of you. But whether you're old or whether you're young, if that's not you, it can be. is open. Jesus said, you must be born again. And he explained what he meant. So let's close by singing this song together. If The song leader will come and lead us. <clears throat>